The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Good morning. This is a student panel, and they're going to introduce your, themselves. I'm Liz Gibbons, and I work with the Global Mission Board planning this conference. And one of the things we thought about during this time was getting students who have actually done something outside of the United States to talk about their own experience. And so I'm encouraging them not just to answer my questions, but to ask each other questions. So first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to ask each of them to tell you who they are, uh, where they went, and basically what did they do. So just very brief synopsis. If you get too long, I'll shut you up. Okay, <laughs> let's start with Ish. <laughs> Hello, I'm Ish. Um, I went to um, Kenya the summer of 2018, and we did a program called True Love Waits. We just went to schools around the area and talked about abstinence and the importance of waiting for marriage. Uh, hi, uh, I'm Dom. <laughs> you have a fan club. <laughs> uh, I went to Greece in 2019, <clears throat> and basically what we did there was we built tents for the people that needed them, uh, as well as worked in housing and making sure everyone was where they needed to be. Uh, I'm Casey, and uh, I went to Hungary <laughs> in uh, 2016, and then with Karen in 2018 and 2019, I went to Greece and did the same thing Dom was doing. So. Um, hi, my name is Kayla. Um, oh, wow, okay. Um, and I spent last summer in Maimahu, Kenya. Um, I would have been part of the 2020 team, but the pandemic happened, so I um, got stubborn and went by myself. <laughs> and what did you do? Uh, um, so I... I kind of went knowing that um, it was like exploratory. I didn't know if I just like wanted to explore and to go or if it was like maybe God calling me to go. So I offered to teach um, at a place called Valley Light Home, which is a home for children. Um, but really they were doing me a huge favor and just having me. Um, so I taught English because I can speak English. Um, sometimes and so that was kind of what I did for the first two months that I was there and then in the last month I kind of transitioned um, because there was an infant who needed kind of like around-the-clock care so I kind of took over doing that and stopped teaching okay they're not at all nervous but they are finding their voices so first question and I don't want you just to go boom 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 I want you to jump in some of the biggest struggles entering a new culture. What, what hits you first as your initial? Um, I'd say probably trying to keep stereotypes out of my head. Mm. Just because like, you hear so much about all these like, different cultures and countries. Um, so I tried to go with like, as open a mind as possible. Um, so I'd say that, that was probably the biggest struggle at first, like landing and then like, okay, clean slate. Like, don't think, try not to think anything, um, and just, like, learn as you go. Mm. Yeah. Somebody over here? Yeah, I'd agree with stereotypes, and also say, like, language barrier, and also just, like, cultural things. You don't think at all about um, just, like, how you interact with your friends and family that is very different, kind of, across the world. So. 
I was leaving a class yesterday with um, Mrs. Gelinas, and she stuck out her hand to shake my hand, and she said, oh, wait, that's German. She lived many years in Germany. She said, you don't have to shake my hand. I said, that's okay, I'll shake your hand. But she said, I'm just, I'm so programmed to do it a certain way. And she brings that back. Okay, Dom? Uh, so one thing I had to get used to, uh, probably just like, they did a lot of dancing. Yeah, move that up a little closer. Oh, sorry. They did a lot of dancing. Um, I'm not a dancer at all. <laughs> and so like being involved in dances with like some 15 year olds in the middle of nowhere, like, was a little rough the first couple times, but it was. Did you improve? Like a, oh yeah, yeah. yeah oh, okay, yeah. good. Yeah, I was, I was doing it like really well. At the end of it, I'm not gonna lie, but for the first couple times, it was, it was pretty rough. Yeah. Um, the kids are in Kenya that I worked with were like excellent dancers, and um, one of my favorite pastimes when I'm in non-white communities is to say, um, I can't dance, I can't dance at all, and then they talk you into dancing, so then you dance with them, and it's really bad, and you're like, I, I warned you, but <laughs> the dancing, the dancing is a problem. <laughs> okay, so how does, how does that fit into culture? Because there are many cultures that dance a lot more than we do, and how is that hard for us as Americans, and particularly as Christian Americans? Well, I was noticing in chapel, we got, like, excited that we got to clap. <laughs> like, everyone was like, oh, my goodness, there's clapping in this song. Um, so I think that we are kind of used to church being like we stand really still and we have pews and we have chairs and you stay there. Don't leave. Um, like, stay in your seat and stay in your pew. And um, if you get to clap, that's cool. You can kind of sway a little bit. Um, but... It is, it is not like that everywhere. Like, we're kind of used to that being, well, I should specify, that is the white church. Like, yeah. Some we, white church. Yes, exactly. We kind of like to stand in our place and do our thing. But, um, yeah, I just think that our culture is one that we like to follow the rules. Like, we like to know what the expectations are, and we like to kind of fulfill those expectations and stay in your designated spot. I'd say culturally, um, there were things that I had to get used to as far as like, there are places that I shouldn't go, like either by myself or like that some of my um, female team members couldn't go, um, either like by themselves or at a certain time of night or something like that. Um, so that was something to get used to, just like always having to be around and always having to be aware like this is what's happening, this is why this is happening, um, and respecting as well, like this is why they do what they do and like not just kind of like um, like it was mentioned, like people have stereotypes because we're not living in their culture. Um, but once I got used to like, oh, this is this is actually kind of cool, and I, like some things that in their culture I appreciated. So learning that with you know the differences is actually kind of fun. So you all went into different places, some of you somewhat similar, but how did that change you, rather than you changing it? They did have these questions ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's like, it's a difficult question, I think, because like, even when we, like she said, we did get them beforehand. While I was thinking about it, it's, it's hard because you, you feel like you've changed a lot. You feel like you've learned a lot, you took a lot in. But then you go back 
to your regular life and you kind of like get back into um, the swing of things you were doing before you went there. Mm. Um, so, I mean, while I was over there, it felt like time wasn't really an issue, which mm. is something that I tried mm -hmm. to take back with me because um, uh, America does love schedules um, <laughs> and keeping things within a certain time. And I don't know, we were there, the people Kenya were like, yeah, we'll get there when we get there. Mm -hmm. um, and like when, when it'll happen, um, which was like kind of refreshing for me a little bit, just because I, although grew up in America, I grew up in a Dominican household, um, and uh, <laughs> so it was we kind event of was more important than time. Yeah, 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 and it, it was that was I think I tried to take a little bit, especially being a student. I'm like, man, I can like relax a little bit. Mm. It's okay to be a little bit late, you know, or just like take time to like be ready myself before I go somewhere. Yeah. Other thoughts on changes in you? Uh, along that line, I, when I lived in the Philippines, I'd have a Bible study in the afternoon with ladies, and they were extremely wealthy women, so they had maids at home. Well, we'd gather for a Bible study, and first we'd eat, and then we'd do some Bible study, and then we'd eat again. Not big meals, but food, and then there would be talk, and then there would be discussion, and then there would be, oh, I was in Singapore last weekend and bought these jewels, and I paid this much for the, anybody want to buy these because they were investing their money in jewels? We'd start at 2, and it'd get towards 6 o'clock, and I'm looking at my watch thinking, I've got kids at home. Uh, my, my husband's got a Bible study tonight. Uh, what do I do? And they were in absolutely no hurry to get home <laughs> because they were there for the event. It didn't matter what the time was, but it was in those situations where the relationships were built that just making myself willing to relax and say, it doesn't matter if I don't get home at a certain time, I've actually taken care of all of that, and my kids will survive, and my husband will survive, and I had a house helper, and she was wonderful, and so I needed to just say, Way your schedule. Anything else that you felt really conflicting or, or difficult to, how did it change you? Yeah, I think going along with like time and also just relationships and everything, um, a lot of what we would do in camp was kind of like going from place to place and either telling people, okay, you have to move out of this place into a different like tent or ISO box, or maybe like you're getting your card from the UN that you get to move on. But some of it is um, like some of the things we had to do were very kind of scheduled, like, oh, you have to tell them by this time so they can make this bus type thing. Um, and in America, I feel like we, we meet people and we're immediately like, okay, let's just get to the business of what we need to do, and like we'll get all of our tasks out of the way. Um, whereas there, you might go and meet somebody and they just start talking to you about anything else <laughs> other than what you're there for. Um, so I think that was a big like shift in my mind was, okay, there are more important things than just my to-do list and what I need to get done. Like, how can I meet this person and get to know them and kind of like see where they are and what can I learn from them in this experience instead of me just feeling like I am going to go do something for them, yeah. Mm. Uh, one thing that uh, I learned there, there's, there's a lot of poverty um, that, um, like, I'm Dominican too, so like, there's a lot of poverty in Dominican Republic, but this is like a different level of it. Um, I had never really seen like a dad watching his kids play with rocks and he's just like blank. Like there's just nothing there because he's just like the trauma that he's had to go through to get mm -hmm. his family there. 
Um, like you, you see that, and it's like that sticks with you, um, and it, and it does change you. You like you start to become a lot more aware of people's struggles, be that internal or external. Um, and there are a lot of people in those camps who like they can internalize a lot, um, and there's a lot of you know bad things that can happen. So um, to learn like this is what people go through, and like millions of people go through this. It's not just like couple thousand or something it's like millions of people are are going through the same struggle um you know having to cross oceans and things to get to these places and like people drown and people die and stuff so um yeah i'd say that's probably one thing i learned mm. i feel like everyone's looking at me i should say something well you don't have to we can go on if <laughs> um if i had to say like a way that it kind of impacted me um I think learning to be a minority is something that was really valuable for me um, because I'm from here and even though I did grow up in, like in a kind of a college city so like um, there were a lot of students around so like it was a pretty diverse area but still like my circle looked like me like it was a lot of people who were like me similar experiences similar like um, economic status whatever um, so learning to be the only person who looks like you and kind of realizing that that means that you don't get to create the norms anymore and you don't think about the fact that you're creating the norms until you're not, you're not normal anymore, um, I think was really like a good thing, a healthy thing to kind of be the person who is in the mi majority and then learning to be in the minority. And I think that if you spend all your time being one or the other, you kind of have this limited view of like the whole range of human experience and the different like levels that people find themselves at. Um, so I think that for both the minority and the majority, it would be a good thing to experience the other, right? Like it's a necessary thing to experience the other. And that was the first time in my life that I was surrounded by people who didn't look like me, who didn't have my experience, who didn't come from like my place, my, my culture, whatever. So like kind of learning to be the odd man out and like I don't get to create like the status quo here. We as North Americans are a very small slice of the global church. And the global church is much larger around the world than it is here. So what are some of the things that you feel you learned about being with global believers in another part of the world, if you were? Uh, what did you learn from them, and how did, that, uh, how did you bring that back to your view of the church here? Um, I learned to treasure my Bible. Uh, when I was there... Uh, I met a man who, like, lived in this little, like, shed thing on, like, the outskirts of the camp, and he was a Christian, but he couldn't, he was, like, a secret Christian, like, he couldn't tell people that he was a Christian, um, and I remember I went into his little house, and he made coffee for me, him, and another guy, and he knew that I was a Christian, so he pulled out this, like, little sliver of the Psalms, and he was, like, quoting all of them and it was like a solid like chunk of the psalms it was like 30 of them and he was just listing it off and i thought to myself like man there's not a chance that i could do this mm -hmm. at all like no way he's got me beat but 
like when I went back to my room later that night and like I had my Bible like out and I started to just appreciate the fact that like I could read this like openly at any time I wanted and like generally no one's gonna say anything so like the fact that this guy like could only read it in select times and select places and knew so much of it offhand because he kind of had to um, it taught me so much about like this is just like this is what's going on in the in the world, and I can appreciate that. So, yeah. mm. good. What else? I loved the uh, the passion that a lot of the churches over there had. It was I thought it was so much fun. Uh, we got there was one church service in particular where like, well, I mean, for starters, the services are much longer than they are here. At least the <laughs> churches that we visited. Time um, versus event. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was it was so much fun. We got there and like start off with music, which is like very typical for a church. Um, and then there was like a group of like young boys that came up and like did a dance, and I was like, well, this is fun. Um, and then like someone else came up and they played some music, and then they asked us to play music, and then we got to the sermon, but after the sermon was like more music and like dancing and like, and then afterwards everyone would stay there and just talk with each other and like have fellowship. Um, and I think that oftentimes, at least um, a lot of churches that I visit, that have visited he around here, like the service is done, you just go home. Like mm. you don't really stand around and, and talk to people much. Um, so although long, I thought it was very enjoyable and like, I was like, man, they have such a passion for serving the Lord and singing to the Lord. But you can tell they're having fun doing it like the entire time. Mm. Good. Yeah, <clears throat> I think there are aspects of God's character that um, I just have not experienced to the depth and to like the awareness um, that some of our brothers and sisters in the global church have. Um, I think just not always being like having to be consciously aware of, oh yeah, God provided this for me. Like it's it's such a blessing that I have just like this meal or just assurance of these things and like I feel like I have a life plan that I can look at and kind of like assume that nothing's going to change with that um, but some of the people that I met have just had their whole lives kind of upturned um, and they've had to learn God's provision and his mercy and grace and yeah just all that in a deeper way than I have um, so I think just like learning from that and seeing like deeper facets of his character through their experiences was such a blessing. Mm. Something that I've been thinking about um, as we were given these questions to think over, I was just kind of like captured by this idea that if you're a Christian, you have brothers and sisters all over the world, like not just here, not just in your local church, like they're everywhere. And um, just kind of like the beauty of that, like, how that reflects what heaven will be like and how every tribe and every nation and every tongue mm -hmm. and like every skin color, it's gonna be so beautiful. And like you get to see like a tiny, like a tiny little piece of that. And like the more, the more places you go and the more of your brothers and sisters in Christ that you meet, um, like the bigger that picture gets for you. So like my picture is pretty small right now, but like it gets bigger. I sometimes wonder how people who only know their way of doing things are going to manage heaven. <laughs> I mean, that just, every time I read the book of Revelation, I just have this picture of the tribes and the nations of the world gathered around the throne, and I think some people are going to be really uncomfortable, and I trust the Lord will do a work in their life before they get there, because everybody is different but beautiful. And, 
I, maybe you can speak to this, that sense of being at home when you are in, with a group of believers in another place, and you may not even speak the language. How, how does that, did any of you sense that? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, there's something about like corporate worship uh, in different languages that is just really like, really homey. I don't know why. It just like, <laughs> it just like draws you in, and you don't even know the language, but you know the words that you're that they're saying because you can kind of catch the beat and you know the song. But like, there's something about it that like I remember just being there and just feeling really like, wow, like this is very peaceful. Like I don't really know any of these people, and I definitely don't know the language, but like I really feel like I'm in tune with these people. So, um, yeah, I can definitely say that, yeah. Okay, I want to go to something quick, and then we've got a couple of questions to wrap up. But short-term trips are something that a lot of people do. And I often find, meet a young adult, and they say, oh, yeah, I did a short-term trip in high school. It's kind of like, I checked the box, I did that. What is good about short-term, and what is not good about short-term? I think something that's good about short term is that you kind of um, allows you kind of dip your toes in what the mission field can potentially look like. So it gives you um, an experience, um, and I think that you can. It's easier to see yourself doing something if you try it. I think. Hmm. Um, bad thing about short term missions, um, I think that people can receive some kind of like a savior complex very mm. quickly mm. Um, especially going to a country where they heard it's like poor or like there are all these problems so I think it's like really it's difficult you have to like really think about it before you go there and it's like you're not above these people you are not the one doing anything God is choosing to use you um, so like it's it, it I think is very dangerous um, and um, I just like I hope that churches when sending out a group of young adults or just like teenagers really thinks about who they're sending um, mm. and what they're telling them while they're while they're over there because it's, it's very easy to um, think as yourself above others. Um, I could say that like a good thing about it is probably um, you get to go and like kind of just get out of your bubble for a second and experience what another culture and other people have to offer um, and to a certain extent it might be good in that way that you're not there for a super long amount of time like if you've never gone overseas like that you know a super long trip could kind of get a little rough at some point um, so being able to just experience something for like a short amount of time to see like is that even something that you want to continue to do um, I'd say a bad thing is it's really easy to go there I saw this more with um, like other teams from the states, like thinking that you can go there and you just like solve all the problems. Like mm. realistically, like I'm not gonna go there and solve the refugee crisis. I just know that. And more than likely, like the other 50 people who go there are not gonna solve the refugee crisis. So like going there thinking that you're gonna solve all the problems shouldn't be the driving force. It should just be to go and, and to serve in whatever capacity that means and to love on the people who need it. So um, I'd say that's something that I saw that it, yeah, might go to work. How long do you need to stay to get past the first impression? Kayla, I think you had the longest time. What would you say about that? <laughs> um, 
I think, I think that I did get past the first impression to an extent, but that's such a like relative thing because if I was there for five years, like I would know them way better than three months allowed me to. But um, I kind of got to see both and it was interesting to have kind of the dual perspective because I was there for three months. Um, so I felt like I was there for a while. And then we would have a group come and they would stay for a week, right? And so they would come and they'd be like, let us help you, let us help you. We're gonna bring stuff for the school. We're gonna bring all these treats and all these toys. And the kids would be super excited, which is great. Um, and they would like get all this stuff and they would have a great day. And then at the end of the day, um, the team would leave and go back to their hotel. And the kids would, I don't know, be having like a temper tantrum or hitting another kid or whatever, like doing kid stuff. And I would still be there because I was living on site round the clock. And so it was so like easy for me to get up on my high horse and be like, oh, well, you're coming in and you're doing the short term stuff. And I'm the one here at the end of the day who has to deal with their bad attitude or like them being upset or them being sick and them being crying, like not the pretty stuff. But then I had to take a step back and be like, Kayla, you're being a hypocrite because you're gonna leave in three months and the people who do this as their life mm. are gonna be the ones who stay and do this as their life. And like, just because I was there a little bit longer, I was still a drop in the bucket. And like you, I don't know, I had to have that perspective of like, kind of like what Dom said. Like, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna save anyone. Like, that is not my job. Like, I went to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to do whatever dirty, mundane things I could do to help out for a little bit. But like, that is a drop in the bucket. Mm. Good, good. Okay, let's wrap up with this. If you never left the USA again, what did your experience teach you about God's heart for the world, and how can you pursue that heart right now? Um, I think what I learned, like if I never got to leave again, is probably like... Um, there's a, a certain level of like love that I think we can only ex experience and express as humans um, that when you go and you see it expressed uh, in a different way um, and you just see God's love being poured out on people in a way that you never saw before, um, that, that's really, like, it can really change you. So I think that um, that's something that I got to see that I kind of never saw before um, is God's love really being poured out in a way that I had never experienced with, you know, people meeting Jesus in, in a refugee camp of 8,000 people, you know, um, those are, th that's a thing that like, I'm not necessarily going to see in, you know, Langhorn, PA. So mm. I think being able to see God's love poured out in such a big way and in, in such a drastic way um, with such drastic life changes at certain times. Um, was really important. Yeah. yeah, and I'd add to like his love, um, just also his goodness, and realizing that I was defining goodness before I went as like, oh, easy, comfortable, and what I would do in this situation. And then when I came to a situation that was complete, completely different than how I would handle like a world crisis, like God was doing something differently with it than I would assume. 
um, I really wrestled with that. I was like, oh, well, is he good? It's like, he is. It's just not the way I was kind of boxing him into being in, like, my definition of good. Um, so, yeah, I think just seeing that and that expressed within culture and how culture is beautiful and a part of the global church as well. Um, like, we don't have to look like American Christians to be a Christian. Like, you should look like a Christian and a Christ follower in whatever context he puts you in. Um, yeah, and I'd say pursuing that here is just getting involved in your local community. I know we've heard a lot about like cool ways to get involved here, um, and it's a shameless plug for kelp. If you have Wednesday nights free, come teach English with us because you can get involved and meet people. Um, that's a really cool way to pursue yeah, God's heart for the nations and who he's bringing here too. I'd say that um, maybe how like people serve God or how people experience God is different everywhere. Mm. Um, and kind of taking a second and not being so quick to um, tell someone what this passage means or like what this is supposed to look like and instead like listening to what their experience was and um, how it is that they view God and then have an actual conversation about it instead of just trying to push your view on them. Mm. Yeah. Any thoughts, Kayla? Um, I already have tickets bought to go back, so <laughs> I don't know that I can like answer the question if you never left again. I'm already leaving. Um, uh, but yeah, like Casey said, like your own community, there are opportunities right where you are. There are opportunities everywhere, and I don't think that you need to feel like you should leave your country or your circle of influence to be loving people like to be kind of like I said before like the hands and feet of Jesus like there are there are ways and avenues to do that wherever you are and you kind of have to realize that like there's brokenness here even though we get blind to it um, and there's brokenness everywhere and it is the same brokenness you know like that is all over, and so we shouldn't, like, necessarily rank, like, oh, well, it's worse here, so I should go there, or it's worse here, so I should go there. Like, we're all flawed humans, but made in the image of God, so, like, there are image bearers all around you who, who need the love of Jesus, so take that for what it's worth. <laughs> What's some of the hard things about coming back? Were there any hard things? Chai is really bad in America. <laughs> yes. It's not chai. Um, so this is a cry for help. If you are Kenyan, please hook me up. <laughs> Casey, you talked about the confusion of so many options like in the grocery store. Yeah, even though we didn't like go grocery shopping a lot in Greece, just being in other contexts and cultures and coming back and I think just working in the camp and realizing like how little options you're able to give people with what limited power you have with an NGO. Um, and then you come back and there's like 20 different kinds of applesauce. And <laughs> I've found myself just standing there kind of paralyzed in grocery stores, just like staring at all the options and how much excess we have. Um, as Americans, don't, don't even think about it. So I think that that's hard. Like reverse culture shock is hard for me coming back. I, I had a pattern for years 
Every time I'd come back from a long time overseas, I'd go to the grocery store and I'd buy milk, bread, eggs, butter, and a bag of fruit and go home. That's all I could handle. And so for a day or two, we'd live on that until I could get my brain around the fact that, oh, there's other things I could get. But walking into a supermarket when you've been in a part of the world, in fact, some of you have experienced empty shelves here in the last year. It's, a lot of the world looks like that most of the time. And the empty shelves, you know, there are two loaves of bread, and that is it. So that's a shock. Any other shocks coming back? I mean, just that life goes on, you know, like <laughs> they're, they're, they're over there as long as they're going to be there. And, you know, coming back, I came back and had um, my fall semester like a week after I got back. Um, so I had a little bit of time to get off the jet lag and stuff, but like coming back and just being like surrounded by like a large group of believers and having my education and stuff like that um, was just like, man, like I, like while I was back here when I got back, uh, within like a month or so, the camp ended up burning down. Um, mm -hmm. And so like, I ended up kind of just having a moment in my room where I was just like, camp is gone. Like that, that happened. Like that is, that is done. And everyone that I worked with while I was there was still there. And they were the ones who dealt with camp burning down and having mm -hmm. to help everyone evacuate and all that. So like coming back and just like, it almost was like a sense of hopelessness but, you know, there was a certain level where I had to rest in God. But um, that, was, that was pretty rough for like a month or two. Yeah. Mm. One of the things I think that we recognize when we start moving across cultures, and that could be across cultures here in this country, or it could be across cultures around the world, is that we can't put God in a box God does not behave the way we think God should behave. And the way we do it is not necessarily the only way to do it. And heaven will be that sense of hominess and earth never should be. And the longer I live and the more I have run around the globe, literally, I realize that I will never be home. And so when someone says to me, where's home? I have to stop and think. Because there is only one place that is home. And I'd like to just close today with a couple of verses from Hebrews. It's in that chapter 11, chapter of faith. And it says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. There is going to be a day when worship will be much better than it was this morning, and it was great. But the person beside you may come from a different century, a different culture, a different language. 
Will we all sing in our own language and we all understand each other? Will there be one language in heaven? I don't know any of those things. But I do know that it will be home because we will be where we are supposed to be. Does that release us from touching the world around us? No, not at all, because God says he is the God of the nations. He is the God of all people. And there are people in this world who have absolutely no access to knowing that. I talked with a woman on Sunday who's now in her 50s, and she said when she was 16, she felt the Lord was calling her into missions. And she said, the only thing I knew was you go. Well, she went off to college to train to go, realizing that she was totally unequipped. And her life ended up in quite a mess for a while. And then she came back to the Lord. And she has stayed in this country her entire life, but very invested in the world. She says, what I know now is... There are many ways of touching the world. Some go, some send. Some welcome those who come here. Some take care of those who are over someplace else. There are so many different roles as long as we're all invested in the fact that God has a heart for the world and wants the whole world to know the truth. And so as we talk about commitment, we're not just saying are you going, but are you willing to accept God's heart for the world and not just think about your own little bubble and your own little culture and your own little, not even your American culture, but your little subculture, but are you willing to say God loves all people? For God so loved the world, not this part of it or that part of it. Thank you for listening. Thank you all for being willing to share your hearts and step out of your comfort zone a little bit. This is good. And let's just close with a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for each of these four and many others in the student body who have taken the initiative to go somewhere else and do something else and be your hands and feet in another place. And Lord, we pray that many, many of these students would have that opportunity. But Lord, we also pray that they would look for the opportunity to reach out to those who do not know you of every culture who are right in our midst. And to make it a practice of life to look for the foreigner, the stranger, the person who is lost both spiritually and maybe just lost in society. And give us a heart, Lord, for those that hurt. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.